All right. Well, we're embarking on a journey of learning about praise. Um, the Lord has put us on that path, and we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to talk about that a bit in the weeks ahead, and especially at family camp. The theme of praise is rising, and it, the worship this morning was very praiseish. Did you notice? So I don't know whether someone told Michaela to pick all that type of thing. You were informed. But um, yeah, it was very praiseish today, and that's wonderful. Great to be on the theme. I thought, considering praise is our theme, we should go straight to Psalm chapter 34, verse 1. When I was thinking of praise, this was the first verse that popped into my head, and there it is. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. It's pretty cool that it says, always be on my lips, don't you think? That would mean all sorts of times you wouldn't expect to be praising. <laughs> At times in life when you're not feeling like praising, in places where you would not otherwise think of praising, and notice it said, his praise will always be on my lips. That means it's going to be something audible coming out of your mouth. So praise can certainly be in your brain and can certainly be in your heart, but praise should always be on your lips. <laughs> so it's something you sing, and it's also something you say. Praise doesn't have to always be a song. And uh, I've, I've thought about this. You know, I thought, you know what? I do praise the Lord, probably not always, but a lot. And for me, a lot of my praise is more in the forms of prayers. Because, you know, I'm not always singing, but I'm always saying, thank you, Lord, for something. That's a form of praise. And so this psalm is actually by King David, and it's an encouragement that you should be praising the Lord at all times, every moment of the day, and it should be coming out of your mouth. Now, I thought this psalm was particularly interesting because of the background to the psalm. Now, if you've done my Bible videos with me, and we went right through the books of Samuel, and we've gone right through the whole entire psalm, we've already talked about the background of this psalm, but it's a very, very interesting background. This particular psalm was written at a time when David pretended to have gone crazy. Some of you might not know your Bible stories, and I thought this morning it's worth taking five or ten minutes to fill you in on the background of this story, and then think... With that background in mind, it's very interesting that he would say you should praise the Lord at all times. Because I can't imagine even thinking that, having just been through the things that David went through. So, this Psalm 34 is written at the time of 1 Samuel chapter 21. And I'm going to read that for you in a minute. But before I read for you, the whole of 1 Samuel chapter 21, to give you the background, I'm going to quickly fill you in on all the five chapters before by just telling you what happened. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David kills Goliath. Pretty grand moment. I could imagine him singing this psalm after that. I will praise the Lord at all times, because he just killed the giant. It's a hero's moment. Praise the Lord at all times. Well, but then in chapter 18, he becomes friends with the son of the king. Jonathan, best friends, BFF, best friends for life. Well, you could imagine praising the Lord with that type of a thing, right? Praise the Lord, yes, just become friends with the son of the king. 
In chapter 18, the king becomes jealous. Well, that's a concerning development. Chapter 18, he also marries the king's daughter, even though the king's jealous. And the king tries to kill him in disguise by sending him off. The only thing he has to do to marry the king's daughter is kill a hundred Philistines. Well, he goes and kills 200 to win the hand of the king's daughter. But some strange events are turning there. In chapter 19, Saul stops hiding the fact that he's trying to kill David and tries to kill him three times. I can't imagine him extolling the Lord with praise out of his lips at all times when the king's trying to kill you in multiple different ways with great creativity. In the end of chapter 19, David has to flee for his life. He's in his house. Saul sends the ninjas in through the front while David leaps out the back. They didn't have ninjas in the Bible, but you know, the, the warriors were coming in the front of the house while David was leaping out the back of the house. I remember thinking at the time that I did the Bible videos, why didn't the warriors come around the house from all sides? It just didn't make sense. Apparently his house was built into the wall of the city so they were coming in the only available way they could come in and he lowered himself down and got away out the wall. So that's how he escaped. So yet ninjas coming in the front, David leaping out the back, extolling the Lord at all times as you flee for your life to avoid the death, your sudden impending death. And um, that's the last time he saw his wife for around about, was it 15 years? Something like that. That was chapter 19. In chapter 20, he has a secret meeting with his friend Jonathan to find out what's going on with the king and his worst fears are confirmed that he has no place at all left in Israel and he has to flee for his life. So he goes down to the temple, not the, well, it's the tabernacle at that point, and that's where we're about to read chapter 21, which I'll read to you. So all of this is the background building up to Psalm 34, where, of course, he says he will praise the Lord at all times, despite the huge numbers of things going wrong for him. So this is Samuel, 2 Samuel, no, 1 Samuel chapter 21. I'm going to read you an entire chapter. So we're not putting it up on the screen, just listen. So David came to Nob to Abimelech the priest, and Abimelech came to meet him, trembling, and said, why are you alone? And David said to Abimelech, the priest, the king has charged me with a matter and said, let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is the holy bread if the young men have kept themselves pure. And David answered the priest, Truly, women have been kept from us as usual. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will the vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no other bread there. Um, now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, his name was Doeg the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. Then David said to Ahimelech the priest, Do you have a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required 
haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth, behind the ephod. You can take that, for there is none but that here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. After that, David rose and fled that day from Saul, and he went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another? Saul has struck his thousands, but David his ten thousands. So David took these words to heart and was afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behaviour and pretended to be insane. He made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, You have brought me a madman. Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to me? Shall this fellow come into my house? Well, that's the end of the chapter. So I wish we knew a bit more detail about this story. David has to leave the country. He's not safe. So he goes to a neighbouring country, the land of the Philistines. But the land of the Philistines is the land of Goliath that he killed. And he happens to be carrying the sword of Goliath when he goes there. There's a lot of opinions about what that all means. I don't know if I'm right. I, I conjectured about that. I thought that... Because, you know, when you're fleeing for your life and you're terrified, you do all sorts of things that don't always make sense. And I thought, well, the only thing that could possibly have made sense is that he took the sword of Goliath to the king of Gath, because remember, Goliath came from Gath. I just thought maybe that's what he did as a kind of a peace offering. You know, Here's the sword back, kind of have me. But they said, isn't he the king of Israel? Well, he wasn't the king of Israel, but his, his heroics in war was so great, that's the level everyone thought of him at. And then he, he realised he wasn't safe even there. Wasn't safe in his own country, wasn't safe there, so he pretended to be insane. Now, that might not seem like an, an appealing strategy to you or I, but I did read somewhere in one of the commentaries that people in ancient times thought it bad luck to kill a madman. For some reason, they, they thought that if you were in a normal fight and you killed someone, that that was okay. But if there was someone who was mad, it was like bad luck to kill them. So David was obviously doing something very clever, pretending to be mad, and thus preserving his life. Now, I'm not 100% sure that's correct, but I did read that somewhere in one of the commentators. So it could be something to it. In any case, that's when he wrote Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. You think about what he's going through. He's a fugitive. He's wanted, his life is wanted in Israel. He flees to another country. He's not safe in that country either, so he has to pretend to be mad. He's got nowhere to go. What would you do if you were in that position? I reckon it's a lot harder to escape these days. It's a lot harder to hide from, you know, the police with phones and being tracked by every mobile phone tower and you get money out of the bank and they know where you are. And It'd be hard to get away, but I think even back then, they put a price on his head, it'd be hard to get away because everyone's looking to dob you in and make a, a quick buck. Well, his response to that is, I will extol the Lord at all times. 
his praise will always be on my lips. I think it's an amazing psalm. I think it's an amazing psalm because when we just read the psalm, we think it's just a psalm about praising God. We don't realize that he literally meant it. He would always praise the Lord when he was good, you know, when he defeated Goliath, or when things were not so good, when he was afraid for his own life. Let's read the first three verses of that psalm. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times, or extol the Lord in that version. His praise will always be in my mouth. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and praise. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I think verse 3 is so cool. You know why it's so cool? Because David's telling you to do something. He's telling you to praise the Lord with him. He's been dead for 3,000 years, and yet you're being called to praise the Lord along with King David. Let us exalt the Lord together. You didn't know it this morning, but when you were praising in church, you were praising the Lord along with King David, along with Moses, along with what the Bible calls the great cloud of witnesses, all the saints that have gone before, the holy ones, the people who've loved the Lord, they're praising the Lord right now in heaven. And when you praise the Lord, you're praising the Lord along with them. You've been called to praise the Lord with them together. I think it's very, very cool. We often feel like we often only praise the Lord when we feel in a praisey mood. Would that be true? Do you praise the Lord when you're feeling up? Oh, God's been so good to me. Praise the Lord. By the way, that's what the word hallelujah means. Praise the Lord. It's the universal word. It's like the one word which is in every language in the world. Hallelujah. Or maybe Coca-Cola is too. But hallelujah is certainly the universal word. You know, when they translate Bibles, they don't. They just put in the word hallelujah. But it's actually a Hebrew word. We've all learned it. Everyone's learned that word. It means praise the Lord. Do you only say hallelujah when you're feeling up? If you watch some American preaching, you know, the preacher will be saying all this stuff, thumping the pulpit, and you hear all these people. Whenever they think he says a good point, hallelujah. Well, what about when he says things they don't agree with? <laughs> You know, we tend to only be praisey when we like what's going on, right? But that's not what Psalm 34 said. It said, praise the Lord at all times. His praise should always be on your lips. Did you get a flat tire this week? Hallelujah. Didn't say you had to enjoy saying hallelujah. I think, I think you get there. You've got to start by saying it. Let the praise be on your lips. Are you like Paul and Silas thrown into prison? I think that's Acts chapter... What is that, Acts chapter 14? Anyway, it's, in, it's where they go to Philippi. Thrown in prison, they praise the Lord. Go and read that chapter. You get sacked at work this week? Hallelujah. You get a pay, pay rise? Hallelujah! Yep. You get a new boss and you don't like them? Hallelujah. <laughs> You've got to start somewhere, right? 
This is what I've written here. Are you struggling in life? Praise the Lord. Are you depressed? Praise the Lord. Are you afraid and fearful? Praise the Lord. Do you doubt? Praise the Lord. Are you worried? Praise the Lord. Are you lost? Praise the Lord. You have no money. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, may the Lord multiply to you income. The Lord, people like happy people, right? Well, the Lord likes happy people too. Everyone likes to hang around with happy people. The Lord's the same. Start praising the Lord and you'll find that you get a bit more of the Lord hanging around you. Now, technically he's never left, but you'll feel a bit more like the Lord is hanging around you. A, a heart of praise attracts the presence of God. Michaela said that earlier today in, in somewhere in her worship. She said that. Praise does a lot of stuff. Do you feel that people hate you? Praise the Lord. Do you feel despised? Praise the Lord. Are you unappreciated in life? Even by people who should appreciate you, praise the Lord. Are you insignificant? Praise the Lord. There's a lot more things we could say, but Psalm 34 says, I will exalt the Lord, extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. The Lord takes us through all of these things anyway. It's a test. You're supposed to struggle at times, be fearful, doubt, worried, lost. You, you go through all of these feelings at times as part of your spiritual maturing. And praising the Lord helps you pass the tests. In Revelation 19 verse 5, it said... Praise our God, all you servants, you who fear him, small and great. So if you're a great person and you're important and significant and you've got money, praise the Lord. But if you're small, you feel unimportant, if you're just a child, if you're two years old, no matter who you are, no matter what your class is in life, your station, whether you're male or female or whether you're this ethnicity or that ethnicity, praise the Lord. It says it right there in Revelation. Praise the Lord, all his servants, you who fear him, small and great. What about Psalm 150? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Do you breathe? Well, you need to praise the Lord if you breathe. We were discussing that in the office this week. Animals breathe. Well, you know what? They praise the Lord too. I've seen a magpie on the back branch of my house chortling away in the morning, praising the Lord. I said to Jonathan this week, do ants breathe? I don't know. Do they? I googled it. Well, they, they do kind of breathe, just not the way we do. They have these things called spiracles, these little holes. Somehow the air goes in. It's, they don't have lungs or gills. It's this other method entirely. Anyway, interesting. Even ants praise the Lord. They work hard. They do all their anti stuff, but it's praise to the Lord. Philip has, Philip's often said over and over that work is worship, right? Well, there you go. Ants are busy worshipping the Lord all day long, every day. You can step on 20 of them in one go and the rest will still praise the Lord. Uh, 
They're made to praise the Lord. Yep. Do you have breath? Praise the Lord. We're going to bring this to a conclusion. And Years ago in peace, um, when I was a little kid, we were at High Street worshipping one Sunday morning. And I, like a lot of kids, find church to drag on and on and on and on. Always looking forward to church being over. You know, is this the last song? Yeah, morning tea time. Um, and I remember this one Sunday. We, had, we used to have a lady in the church called Denise Hill, a great lady of faith. She goes to Rocky Baptist these days. God bless the hills. And she said some interesting things in church. I remember her saying one day, she said, it's going to be so wonderful in heaven. We're going to praise the Lord for 10,000 years. I remember being a little kid going, oh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> that does not sound appealing at all. So... <laughs> so <laughs> Anyway, I've, I've learned a few things since then. But uh, Denise Hill, she used, to, she used to read scriptures in her worship times and, and really focus you on the Lord. This one Sunday morning, she read a scripture from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Let's read that scripture. She said, Through him then, that's Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to, to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So you know, the way you live and the way you speak, all of these things are sacrifices pleasing to God. And, um, but the, the one line there was, offer up a sacrifice of praise. And Denise Hill in church this one morning, it stuck in my head, probably because I was not feeling very praisey. She said, we don't always feel like praising the Lord but we choose to praise the Lord. It's a sacrifice that we make. That's what she said. And I remember being a kid, thinking, all right, we're going to praise the Lord even though we don't feel like it. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's not about how you feel. Now, I suspect, and I know I'm right because this is how it works for me, is that when you choose to praise the Lord regardless of your feelings, your feelings often come along quite quickly. So once you start, because when you're focusing on your feelings, you're focusing on you. But when you focus on praise, you're focusing on Him. And when you get your focus off of yourself and onto Him, life is so much better. And um, People throughout history have always grumbled and complained, and if you go read 1 Corinthians 10, God can't stand it. Go read 1 Corinthians 10. But praise is the opposite of grumbling, and it turns out that God just loves it so much. And so when we praise, it just does all sorts of wonderful things for us and for the kingdom of God and for him. And so praise is what I'm advocating for you this morning. Praise the Lord at all times, regardless of how you're feeling. Use your mouth to do it. And so that means your prayers, your praise can be prayers. Your praise can be just a thank you as you go through the day. Your praise can be um, songs. So maybe you put songs on in the car and sing along heartily. Um, don't let it just be background music. Join on in. And so make something out of it. And uh, maybe you won't do it at all times, but 
whenever you remember, praise the Lord. If you're driving along and you get stuck at 12 red lights in a row, praise the Lord. And I reckon you should try to make it as enthusiastic as you possibly can because I think the Lord is going to do some stuff like that to you on purpose just to help your praising ability to grow. Right? He'll do it on purpose. And um, thank you, Lord, for that red light. Thank you, you're working on my patience. And you get to the next light. Thank you, Lord, for another red light. Thank you, Lord, for another... I came out of... I came out to my car a week or so ago and there was a lovely big dent in the back of it that someone had put there while I was parked and driven off, not leaving me a note. Do you know what I said? Lord, I thank you for the dent that has been placed into my car. I, it's not that I'm actually grateful for the dent. I'm thanking the Lord because the Lord somehow has this genius method Doing, turning good things into ba bad things into good things. He's just amazing like that. If we had all known what the cross meant, if we were the 12 disciples and we had known the power and the wonder of the cross on that Friday, we would have not fled the scene. Instead, we would have stayed and appreciated it, looked upon the risen Christ and marveled at it. If we had seen what God was doing, we would have praised him in the middle of what looked like the greatest catastrophe to them. So the Lord is a genius. And when bad things happen to you, he may not have caused the bad thing, but he sure has a way of using bad things to bring about good things. And you may as well start praising him in advance because the good thing is coming your way. And even if the good thing is just your patience and getting rid of your grumbling, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> and that's a good enough reason alone. So I'm going to invite the band to come back. And we're going, to, um, we're going to do two things right now. We're going, to do, we're going to take a moment. Now, hopefully this last song, I didn't give any advice, but hopefully it's going to be a really crazy run. <laughs> if nothing else, we could do that first run. It was pretty good. And um, so we're going to sing a song, and in a minute we're going to do it with praise, right? We're going to practice what we've been talking about. But before we do that, we're going to pray a prayer of praise. And what I want to do as we pray this prayer of praise is I want you to call to mind some of the things in your life that are not going so well right now. Because in Hebrews, I think it's in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that the Lord disciplines those he loves, right? Has anyone ever been disciplined by their parents and said thank you to their parents? Did anyone ever do that? Not too many people. But it turns out that parents only discipline their kids because they love them right? Often you've got to become a parent to appreciate that. Well, now that there's so many parents in the room, perhaps those difficulties in your life are the Lord's discipline to you. And perhaps he loves you a lot. And perhaps he's helping you. And maybe we should just take a moment and say thank you to the Lord for his love and his discipline in our lives. Now, we're going to do, what I'm going to do is get you all to stand. We're going to pray a prayer together of praise. And as we pray, I believe miracles will happen. You know, in the Bible, there was that story of Paul and Silas praising the Lord in jail at Philippi. When they did that, a miracle happened. There was an earthquake, and the, bail, the jail busted open, and they were free. Well, that was a miracle that happened because of their praise. 
Miracles happen when we praise. So this morning, who knows what miracles the Lord will work as we turn our eyes on him, we are mindful of our difficult circumstances in life, but our, our choice is to look at him and praise him and not look at our circumstances. So I'm believing this morning for the power of the Lord to be at work as we praise. So let's take a moment right now and each of us pray a prayer of praise, thank the Lord for who he is and what he's doing, and then we're going to sing a song of praise and um, conclude our service in that manner. So Lord, we thank you that you are a God that does great and wondrous things. I thank you, Lord, for the cross of Jesus Christ, which looked like a defeat but was a great victory. I thank you, Lord, that you turn defeat into victory. And Lord, in our lives there are things which look like defeats. We thank you for them because you're using them to change us. You're using them to bring about good circumstances. We praise your name, that you know the end from the beginning. You're the Alpha and the, the Omega, and you have good plans in your mind. And we receive them by faith in Jesus' name, and we thank you for them. In the name of Jesus, amen. And Lord, I would ask that you would now give to our people the grace to be people of praise. And as we explore praise in greater depths in the month ahead, I pray that we would come into a whole new revelation of it in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>